Hey, this is Marcy Lebowitz from Follow the Threads, and I am super excited today. I have a guest on my podcast, which is just amazing to me that we can do all these things with technology and be connected with each other, even though we're in different places throughout the world. So today, one of my very favorite people on the planet, who's somebody who really helps and supports me, is Emily Ridout. That's our guest today. And Emily does something so unusual and so unique that I had never seen before I met her. She is an astrologer and a yoga specialist. But where Emily is so different than anybody else I had ever met is she has a depth and understanding of astrology and presents it to people in a way where like there's no attachment there's no charge on her part. There's no judgment for how you are. And really, Emily has a real gift at helping, particularly me, and um, to understand who I am. So I don't have to keep struggling with it and resisting it. So that's a huge gift. The other thing Emily does is a um, an ancient technique where she looks into the yoga chart uh, excuse me, the astrology chart, and based on your astrology, gives you a yoga program. This is so mind-blowing and was so helpful for me. I'd done yoga on and off for years, but I couldn't find any a yoga practice that I really liked that felt comfortable or natural. <laughs> there, you know, Emily has given me two practices, one a more active, dynamic one, and then a restorative one. So I have different options. Um, but the practice is so natural to me. There are poses I always loved and was interested in, but didn't know why. And then from learning from Emily is <laughs> the reason I like them so much is because they're designed for me and my body and my astrology. So an extremely unique presentation and package. So Emily, welcome. Thanks so much for having me on, Marcy. You're welcome. So first of all, um, Emily, you can find Emily and her website, and I'll give it to you a couple different times, is at emilyridout.com. So her name is spelled E-M-I-L-Y-R-I-D-O-U-T.com. And her website's great. It's actually very clear and um, really gives you an interesting sense of how unique and wonderful Emily's work was. So one of the reasons I brought Emily on the show was because she, by reading the chart and understanding people, is able to present to them like how they can actually be the, their best self, which I am totally fascinated with. So the areas that I'm, I'm very, very interested in based on how I'm wired and what I do in the world are things like self-care, right? and aesthetics, and connection, because those things are so important to me as an artist, and a woman, and a human being. So what we're going to do today is um, talk with Emily about how astrology can help you access those things. So how you can understand self-care based on your design and your chart. And why are you interested in aesthetics the way you are? And why do you connect? with people or animals or anything based on how you're wired. So you ready to go, Emily? I sure am. 
Okay. So talk to me a bit about how astrology helps people understand themselves. Like, why do they feel the way they do? Why do they make decisions and choices? Because it seems like they're, everybody does it pretty differently, right? Because they're coming from a different space or place. So talk to me about that. Absolutely. So astrology, the main thing, if I could tell people who love astrology one thing, it's that the zodiac is a wheel. Um, and when you look at a circle, the thing that it really shows is a sense of wholeness. Um, and really, if you look at zeros, zeros are the most esoteric number because they indicate a space where there's not even enough separateness for there to be one. It's just whole in its truest form of the world word. And so if you look at every single human being, we are a microcosm of the universe. And so your chart exists first of all, in a state of wholeness. And that's also the state that you exist in and every single human being exists in. Within our state of wholeness, though, we get to be individuals. And so when you look at the astrology chart, you look at the state of wholeness that people are in, but you look at the unique flavors, the things in which they are not um, just everything and therefore nothing, right? It's it's the space in which they are specifically themselves. So you start to look at how the planets are laid out in the circle, how the circle is divided into different areas that represent different areas of life and which areas of life might be the most challenging or important to that particular person. Um, and when you do that, you can start to see what matters to this person, um, how they can best align with themselves and also with the broader world around them. So really, it's it's an esoteric map that shows you a person's purpose and purpose beyond this sort of utilitarian idea that I think we sometimes have, like, oh, what purpose does a, a person serve or, you know, what's my duty? Um, and certainly that that can be a part of it. But purpose at the deepest sense of the word, that thing that lights you up, how that person can best align with themselves deep within, um, and therefore also align with nature. Because astrology, in one sense of it, is a remembrance that we are not separate from the natural world, and and that we also have something of a divine, spiritual sort of spark within us, and that that is also not separate from the natural world. So it's all connected, and astrology is just one of many potent reminders in the universe that there's something very distinct and special about manifest reality that we can navigate. Beautiful. So what is it in the chart, if you go a little bit deeper, that makes a person like feel the way that they do or, or how they run energy or information? Sure. So people, you know, from that state of wholeness, we have these distinct ways of expressing and experiencing ourselves. And so if 
if you're looking at your own chart um, or someone listening is looking at their chart and they're wondering, you know, why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I think what I think? Um, often we wonder this in the context of other people, right? We look at our friends and family and community members and we say, wow, you know, the way they're communicating is just so different from me or the way they're emoting their feelings is so different from me. It seems like they need different things than I feel like I need. That's all in your chart. So um, with the emotional stuff, if you look at your moon sign, which is pretty easy to find out, even if you don't have a full chart done, um, if you look at the moon, the moon indicates a space in your psyche and your life that is where you emote. It's also where you seek nurturing. So people all experience their emotions in different ways. Some of us experience them in this sort of deeply felt, embodied sense of emotions. Some of us experience emotions in a mental way. We engage with it mentally and we begin to process emotions mentally. Many people experience emotions in a physical way or in a practical way. They experience emotions due to what's actually going on around them and they handle their emotions through practical measures as well. And then some people experience emotions through transformative means or through spark of energy. And they want to really move that energy through the body or take action in order to process emotions. So you have these sort of ways and those can all be broken down into different manners of doing that. But you have these different ways that people experience emotions. And because of that, we have different ways that we need to experience care, including self-care. So if you you have a fiery moon sign, uh, you're probably not going to be soothed by taking a bubble bath. There are people whose self-care regimens include bubble baths. So nothing against you if that's something you enjoy. But people with fiery moon signs are probably going to need to take action in order to feel nurtured and balanced. Um, People with earthy moon signs might need to experience self-care in a way that's highly practical. Um, Some of them might enjoy the bubble bath. Um, but many of them might rather feel like working on a practical problem as a way of experiencing self-care. That could be a practical problem in any area of life that would depend on the house that the moon is in, in the astrology chart. So some people actually do their self-care publicly. Um, some people do their self-care very privately. And I think this is so freeing because in our culture, I think there's a dominant narrative about what self-care is. And it sounds like take a bath, go to a yoga class, get some rest. I think that's all great advice, right? Like we could all use a nap probably. Um, Some people though, when they need to experience self-care, aren't going to need that nap though. They are not going to need that rest necessarily. Some people experience care through action. Um, And so when when you're considering what you need, the key is often in the astrology chart. So um, if the narrative of society is not working for you and you're experiencing a feeling like 
everyone's talking about self-care. I do feel like I need care and nurturing. I do feel like I need that, but these things that they're saying will help aren't helping me. Um, then that's a sign that, that your moon might not be the moon sign that the dominant culture is talking about. Likewise with Mercury, Mercury is the sign of the intellect. Um, I can pin down most of the conflicts I've experienced um, in conversation in my whole life to Mercury signs. Uh, People express and think in different ways. Um, And we express and think about topics that are deeply important to us, right? So um, if you're ever in a conversation and you're just like, wow, it seems like I'm not being heard, or it seems like my point's not getting across, that's often a sign that the person you're speaking with might have a different Mercury sign. And a lot of what you look at when you look at people who write communication books and you learn about nonviolent communication, um, you could actually break down the ways that those communication styles are working to cover all 12 of these different communication styles so that no matter what the other person has, some, some of what you're saying is getting through in a way that would be meaningful to them. So you might say, wow, I really feel this way. And that'll get at the water mercury people. You know, this is emotionally what I'm experiencing. And then you'd say, and, you know, logically, this is the train of thought I'm following from what I'm experiencing. And that'll get the air sign people. And then you'll say, okay, well, practically, you know, if you look at what's actually going on, it makes sense that my point is this, and that'll get the earth sign people. And then for the fire sign people, you say, and furthermore, it's just really important to me. And I have this spark of desire and it's almost um, an ineffable quality of what I'm trying to get across. But do you understand? And when you say it in so many ways, the person on the receiving end will be able to get you. Of course, that doesn't mean that if you're um, engaged with them in an intimate relationship that that will always come across because none of us uh, are these perfect communicators every sense of the time or every uh, moment. So it it can you know flux in and out. You can you can learn to navigate your Mercury and other people's, but um, it can it just offers a way of I think understanding when there is conflict or when you are wondering, you know, why, why does this person say this or think this? Um, You can start to break it down and understand, well, first of all, the house that their Mercury is in indicates what's really important to them. So maybe they're talking about philosophy and you want to talk about um, what's happening in your community on a practical level. That'll be you know, its own challenge to even decide on the topic, but to understand what's important to a person and um, how you can communicate with them, I think is so powerful and freeing in a society that says we need to conform mentally um, and talk about, you know, these topics, these approved of topics. It can be freeing to say, what if we loosen those, those boundaries and we explore something new. 
<clears throat> I love that. And I did not know about how the different signs do their self-care. That's incredibly fascinating to me. <laughs> and it, I wonder too, like, if you think about some years ago before self-care was popular, right? And so I don't, I mean, the way I was raised, that was not a priority at all. Just wondering, like, what were the astrological influences going on? You know, I was back in the feminist movement, right? And there was that kind of shift. And then now we have this kind of shift into what I think the culture norm is, the softer self-care, which I, I do particularly well with. Because my moon sign, I'm a Scorpio, my moon sign. So I, I've got all that water, right? And that need for nurturing. But I'm, what is the best way, Emily, that like when you're bumping into somebody where, where clearly your moons are, are so different, so self-care is different, or mercury is different, so the way you're speaking, because to me, it's kind of the same kind of bumping into things, like, how how can you best handle that, particularly when, you know, um, ways are so diametrically opposed? Yeah, I think I think going back to the circle, right, and saying, you know, according to yoga philosophy, we live in a fractal universe, and we are not separate from whatever you want to call it. You could call it divine entity. You could call it God. You could call it the universe. You could call it intelligence or consciousness, but we are a fractal of the consciousness of the universe. And so to recognize when you engage with another person, um, there's something very practical going on, right? And which is where we tend to live, which is this day-to-day, I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. But on another level, there's another fractal of the universe looking at you, and in some ways, you are them, right, in the wholeness. When you abide in the wholeness, you recognize this other person is me. And that's really difficult, I think, to do. Um, Maybe not if you are just in love with the other person and they're just your soulmate, right? But, you know, if you look at someone that you consider uh, not your soulmate. And in fact, maybe um, in some ways <clears throat> you have an inimical relationship with that person. Um, that can be really difficult, right? Cause you're like, we are not getting each other. But if you recognize that you're both just trying to get each other from this space of, you know, we are fractals of the divine, which doesn't mean excusing um, unacceptable behavior. You know, we all, we all aren't abiding in our divine state most of the time. Um, But to recognize that that person is in their element and they're experiencing things in the way that they are. And if you can, which I think is difficult to do in, um, in moments of tension or confrontation to begin to say, I'm trying to let go of the grip I have, the need that my Mercury and my moon have to get this other person to understand me. Because we all do, we all want to be understood, you know, and especially if we're close to someone, we want them to say, I understand what you need. I understand what you're thinking. I understand where you're coming from. Like those are some of the kindest words 
um, that I think people can hear is someone saying, I deeply see you and I deeply understand you. Um, but to understand that in moments, you know, you, Marcy, are a remarkable person. You are working with your astrology. You're thinking about these things. So you get it, right? But not everybody. Um, and I'd venture to say, not even you, you know, all the time are going to be in the state of like, okay, it's fine, right? Because we have real needs. And when they're not being met, um, they, that can be really challenging. And um, I certainly don't abide in the state of, you know, okay, a, you know, total acceptance all the time, right? And I don't think anyone does. And if they say they do, you know, run, run the other way. <laughs> They're lying. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe they're a perfect human, but it's those are rare. <laughs> um, so so to just acknowledge that, you know, in a moment, you know, in in eternity, we're going to reconcile that. But in a particular moment, if you can just let go a little bit of the desire to be understood, especially if that person is in there churning process, you know, maybe they have a fiery mercury and they're angry or something. And you're like, mm. okay, if you can allow them to have their human experience, um, which part of our human experience, I know I said the whole thing about wholeness, but part of being a fractal and not the whole all the time, even though esoterically we are both is to also understand that we're also abiding in a state of duality. And when you are separate, it hurts, right? That's why we want to be understood. We want to return to a state of wholeness. But when you're in a state of um, duality, which is what we're in when we're relating to each other, you know, there's a beautiful dance on some level, but on another level, um, there's a pain of separation. But to understand that you can allow that other person to go through their experience and maybe offer yourself a little more peace and give yourself a little more understanding by returning to your own moon and your own Mercury and saying, okay, well, how do I, in my individual status, want to be understood and nurtured? And if this other person in this moment is not doing it for me, you know, they're not understanding, um, how can I go into mine and also, how can I take a larger perspective, which is um, also sometimes painful to get there, but to say, you know, my position on this is specific to me. I'm not everyone in the world on one level. And so um, how can I just allow for multiple positions to exist around me and to either hold my own in knowledge that this is my position and I feel good here or to say, or to start to let go of my own positioning and say, okay, well, um, this is, this is how I feel, but I reserve the right to reconsider tomorrow or right now. Beautiful. Thank you. That was actually incredibly helpful because <laughs> I feel like a lot of my days when I'm interacting with people, I'm, I'm trying to sort out like what they need, where they're coming from, what's going on with them as I'm listening to them 
frequently, because a lot of people are in reaction to things that are going on, right? And how to like hold my own and be with myself and be with them at the same time. And I think um, our whole world could use a lot more of that right now. Definitely. And it's so powerful to recognize that we can be with other people and not merge into them. You know, we can be with them. We can love them and care about them and sit in a state of duality where we're not. So this is Marcy Lebowitz with Follow the Threads. And sorry about that. <laughs> where the recording ended. Um, my screensaver went off. So this is a new uh, piece of technology for me. So I appreciate your understanding. So we're going to continue talking with Emily about astrology and helping people understand themselves and know how to take care of themselves. Emily, you still here with me? I am. Perfect. Okay. So let's go into the last part of um, what I have for you. So help us understand how astrology influences our sense of aesthetics. So being an artist, I'm so, so, so attuned to environment and fashion and art and not only creating it and creating beauty and designing it, but like why do certain people like certain things and why do certain people not like certain things, right? When I think about environment, for example, you know, I live in Taos, New Mexico out in the desert and people either love it here or they hate it here. Like there's no in between. And, you know, what is this in astrology where you can determine, you know, the influence of aesthetics and what works for a person or doesn't? That's such a great question. Um, so aesthetics is a topic that's on one level, very simple. And on another level, astrologically speaking, very complex, because you could get into a number of different things that influence a person's artistic persona, what they're attracted to, what they love. The main thing and where I would start for anyone listening to this is to look at the Venus sign. Venus rules love. Venus rules beauty. Venus rules what we are very attracted to and what we find aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, you think about your Venus and just like the moon has all these 12 different styles of the Zodiac, and those can be in 12 different houses, Venus has that same capability. So some people, um, it's funny, I know some people who have like Venuses in Aries conjunct Mars and Mars rules, um, you know, martial arts, Mars, martial, mm. right? Martial arts, um, war, it's the physical drive, a fiery nature, and Aries is very fiery. And those people often love really, um, really powerful and extreme art forms, um, like mm. heavy metal music in musical taste or um, sort of these brazen sort of like urban, harsh sculptural designs. You see that a lot. Um, 
not everyone with Venus and Aries, but Venus, Aries, conjunct Mars could could manifest that way. Um, someone with a Venus in Libra, which is a place that Venus is very at home, often loves um, airy, beautiful, balanced, engaging artwork. They're going to be the people who might enjoy um, sort of traditional art forms, you know, um, less heavy metal more opera, right? Less heavy metal, more Mozart. So you see, you see that I, I'm a musician by training. So I'm, I went aesthetics to music, but you could do this with color. You could do this with um, form. And of course you are a fantastic designer. So you could do this with clothing choice. Um, But everything from what flowers you like, or perhaps you don't even like flowers, right? Um, to what color you want to paint your your bedroom or your car all show up in the astrology chart. So I would start with Venus and I would see, you know, what is aspecting the Venus if you want to get a little deeper um, or what house is the Venus in. Aesthetics though, you know, as you know, can can really infiltrate and influence almost every area of life. There's something about art and aesthetics that speaks directly to our souls in a language beyond language. So um, you could also look at the rising sign, which is how people experience themselves. So let's say they have a water rising sign. They might be um, also influenced by their moon because they'll experience their lives in an emotional manner um, and in an intuitive manner. And so they might have a more intuitive grip on what kind of art they need to come their way. Um, a person with a fiery rising sign um, might want more movement in their art, regardless of where their Venus is, um, and so on. So you could do that with every with every sign, with every element. Um, And you can begin to see how an individual's taste, right? Because if you just go on a tour of all of your friends' homes, you'll realize there's a very different aesthetic that's distinct to them. So there's, there's more than just 12. There's like 12 times 12 times thousands, right? Um, That, make us individuals, but on another level, it can be very simple. Like just look at the Venus and ask, what does this person love? Because what they love will often translate to aesthetics because love is one of those emotions that we want to feel. And even if you want to feel it in a fiery sort of angry way, or if, if your friend's aesthetics don't agree with yours, then you think, how could that feel good to them? You know, how could they like that, which we've all done, right? How, how could they like that music or that art, right? When, when the art I like is this, you see it all the time. I think the uh, musical Footloose is about that, Um, but, but people get to, um, and, and beautifully. So we get to experience art and beauty and transformation and majesty as we are. So we approach art. And so even the same piece of art 
you know, we could both look at it and see something different and feel something different because we are something a little bit different. You know, it's making me reflect on growing up, right? And thinking now about my family and how different my aesthetics were and still are to them. I'm wondering, I'm like, gosh, it would be so interesting for me to look at their charts, right? And their Venus and to see that like, or, and they're rising, like this, this isn't something personal. This isn't a big deal. It's just how we're wired. It's true. And family charts are some of the most interesting ones to do. People always come for synastry readings, which are couples readings for, for themselves and their partner or their lover or their spouse. Right. But really fascinating um, work is is to look at the the whole family because you can see I mean if you're lucky enough to know everyone's birth times and locations I know many families um, I I have friends who whose parents don't know their birthdays even you know so mm-hmm. so that would be difficult you know to pin that down but if you do know at least the birthday and location and hopefully the time, you can really start to see um, what, where these resemblances come from, the energetic imprints of our souls. You know, when I look at my chart, I see my parents and I see my brother. It's, um, it's super interesting. And, and, and I think a really non-judgmental way, I think in families, we look at people and we're so similar often, right? You're, you have all these things that you've inherited, you know, genetically or, or, you know, that you just have culturally from your family of origin, but the ways that you're different can just feel like huge chasms. Mm-hmm. And to look at those chasms with an idea of understanding and saying, well, you know, they just are dealing with this set of energies in this life. Um, I think that's so freeing because you're not looking at them like, oh, well, you should be perfect and I'm on my journey. (laughs) You know, it's like everyone's on their journey and we're bumping into each other um, in these ways. And each of us on some level is, is perfect and on another level, you know, it doesn't feel perfect. Right. How oh, beautiful. Anything else you can think of that you'd like all of us to know? I just want everyone to know that, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, it's okay. And today is a day where you can make choices um, that bring you greater and greater peace. And so whatever state you're in, you know, they say in yoga, whatever state you're in, whether it's anguish or joy or love or despair, you, those are all doorways to your deepest self. So start where you are um, every day and move into the spaces of alignment as best you can um, without judgment, without effort 
too much effort, you know, there can be some, um, without, without pain, allow yourself to be what you truly are. Um, and also I just want to say, Marcy, thank you for having me with you on this podcast. You're so welcome. I love, and you've been like this from the moment I've met you, you're like this really accepting, but clearly boundaried person. So you have that, you know, like practicality and warmth and clarity that uh, it's just such a gift for me that I, um, I'm happy to share, to share all of your wisdom with other people, because what you know and how you present it is, is such a unique package. So thank you. And again, anyone interested in um, getting in touch with, with Emily, you can find her at her website, Emily, E-M-I-L-Y, Ridout, R-I-D-O-U-T, dot com. And thank you for joining us on, um, this is my second podcast, um, which is so exciting for Follow the Threads. And everybody enjoy.